Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Calmly Create Wealth Podcast, Precious Metals Edition. My name is Marcel Mares, and I'm a portfolio strategist for Century Funds. Today on the podcast, we have John Case. He's a portfolio manager, and we'll review opportunities in the precious metals market and the Century Precious Metals Fund. Now, John, on July 30th, 2020, gold closed just shy of 2000. It was at about 1,956. Now, commodities generally, and, and gold specifically, can be heavily influenced by technical levels. John, do you expect gold momentum to carry on after breaking resistance level, after resistance level? And what is driving the gold price higher? And how high can the gold price go? Sure. Well, I mean, starting off the first part of that question, gold does have a favorable technical backdrop right now. The wind is at its back. And, and in my mind, the, the path of least resistance is just higher. Um, the primary driver for this move that we're really seeing is investment demand. So investors are increasing portfolio weightings towards gold due to a number of factors, but I think principally it's due to U.S. fiscal stimulus um, and the growing unease with the way the U.S. Fed is, is printing money to finance the twin deficits and the lack of alternatives that policy creates uh, when it comes to the rate environment from fixed income securities, we're seeing real rates all plunge negative. So there's not a lot of asset classes for those investors to go to, to get um, you know, a positive real rate of return. I only see the, the concerns around U.S. debt uh, and solvency growing from here. So I don't, I don't think that's gonna go away. You know, if you look in the past 25 years, the Fed has accumulated about 2 trillion worth of U.S. government debt. So that's effectively been monetizing the U.S. fiscal excesses that we've seen over the last two decades. The Fed has doubled that balance sheet in the last four months to four trillion. Just to give you a sense of the the, the pace of money printing and and how it's gone parabolic, it shows no signs of stopping. Um, owners of U.S. dollars are taking notice, and we've seen the U.S. dollar now begin to slip. So I think all of these are conspiring to to push gold higher. The last part of your question, how high can it go? Um, you know, that gold's, gold's a tricky commodity to try and evaluate uh, and, and put a price on. We use a framework of looking at gold as an alternative to the pool of negative yielding assets. Gold's got a zero real rate of return. Um, basically, it holds its purchasing power, so that's what that means. So the question of how high gold can go then becomes a question of, well, how negative can real rates go and push those investors out of fixed income securities into asset classes and uh, real assets like gold. And, and also how low can the dollar go in response to this, this fed zero interest rate policy and the various asset purchase programs. So, you know, how I look at it, inflation's targeted at 2%, um, short end of the yield curve zero. That means at the short end, the target for the fed is a negative minus 2% real rate of return. If we correlate that, to gold price, and if we, if we saw minus 2% real rates across a 10-year curve, that would correlate uh, in our models to a gold price of $21 to $2,200 an ounce. Um, so, you know, call it 10% higher than where we are now. Now, it could go higher. The last time the U.S. printed money like this was post-World War II. We saw real rates go minus 5 to minus 10%. So they could blow past minus 2%. But I think the risks begin to come symmetric at, at minus 2%. Uh, real. All bets are off, of course, if, if any faith in the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency uh, changes or cracks. I think in that scenario, you, you could see an explosive move higher in gold well past that $2,100 level. Okay. Thanks, John, for that guidance. For 
specifically for the Century Precious Metal Fund, saw that demand in, in, in performance of that fund, had a great, great return over the last three months. John, can you talk about some of the contributors and detractors for the fund over the last quarter? Sure. Um, you know, Alistair Gold's a name worth highlighting. We've got a large position in the company. Its share price is up 94% this year. Um, certainly an outperformer. Alistair operates the Tripler uh, gold mine in, in Western Turkey. You know, I went to this site about 10 years ago when it was just a, a dirt prospect um, out, out in, you know, basically the country. And it was only until last year when we initiated a position. And it gives you a sense of the, 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 the timeline and the patience it takes to invest in the space. Uh, their asset, the Chirper Mine, is, is low cost, but long life. Uh, and now finally that it's up and running, it's spinning off lots of cash flow. However, it was Alistair's only asset. So, you know, it, it fell in this category of having a concentrated risk profile. Alistair is currently in the midst of merging with a company called Silver Standard, and that's going to create a new large mid-tier gold producer. And, and Alistair and, and the Triple Mine effectively become part of a larger portfolio. And I think that's really part of the reason we've seen the name outperform. Um, we see the potential for further price appreciation from here. But now that it's part of a larger entity that's better diversified, I think that broadens the type of investors that could look at it. We could see its share price re-rate higher as a result. So you know, my hope and expectation is that we see more of those types of transactions within the single mine component of our portfolio. I think that could be a springboard for further performance for our unit holders. That's great. John, can you highlight some names that you've added or sold during the quarter and why? Sure. Kanatu Gold or, or tickers KNT, which is probably easier to say for most people. The, the name Kanatu is, a, is the name of a town in, in, in Papua, New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, which is obviously in the Pacific Rim and um, you know, sort of a, a very uh, kind of rural country. Not, not, a, lot, not a lot of people would, would know to it. We, we've taken a position in the name. Uh, they've got a phenomenal high-grade mine. Um, and they've shown that that high-grade mine that they've sort of outlined with drilling uh, has a potential to grow much, much bigger. They put out some phenomenal exploration results that show that the current mine is just scratching the surface on how big this, this gold discovery and deposit could be. Uh, what we love about it is got the ability to self-fund that growth, that exploration drilling and, and expansions of their mine, because the mine that they're currently operating generates loads of cash flow. So that, that's exactly what we're looking at, uh, looking for rather. Companies with cash flow and the ability to self-fund growth. Uh, a name that we've sold would be uh, probably Superior Gold would be a good one to mention. This is a company that's consistently failed to meet their own guidance um, and generate the cash flows that we expected to see when we first invested. And certainly at these metal prices, you'd expect the cash flows to, to expand materially and, and margins to expand. Uh, they haven't, and they've had to restate guidance multiple years now in a row, which is a which is knock against management. Uh, and ultimately, that was a catalyst for our, our exit and, and sell down of that position. That's great. Thanks, John. Uh, one last question for the listeners. How is the Century Precious Metal Fund position, say gold versus silver, small versus large caps, Canada versus international? And what can investors expect going forward? I know this is a difficult question to answer, but in terms of participation with the movement uh, of the gold price going forward. Sure. So our fund is a, it's a, it's a gold equity product. So we invest in, in gold mining equities uh, and silver. We're not, we're agnostic. We're not, we're not tied to gold equities. We, we typically find better valuations in gold equities and silver equities. 
Um, certainly gold is silver is but rather has become topical as of late um, you know as it's sort of it's caught a bid and, and started to re-rate uh, at a faster rate than gold in the last month so some silver equities have certainly rocketed up but we don't we don't really play that game you know we're we're bottom-up investors looking for the best value and um, ultimately that that we find the best value in gold equities versus silver equities um, we do have some silver exposure um, through weed and precious metals and a few other um, smaller cap names. We've got a mix of large and mid cap uh, holdings within our portfolio. So the, the blended portfolio would be somewhere in between large and mid cap, I would say. You know, investing in gold equities is ultimately about finding businesses that spin off cash uh, and have opportunities to grow that cash and then trade at a valuation below what you think it's worth. And, and we find the best mix of those attributes outside of the larger names that dominate the index. So you'd find that our portfolio looks, would not look similar to the index and, and, and you probably wouldn't see many holdings within our top 10 or 20 that you'd find in the top 10 or 20 in the index. What can investors expect? You know, I, and earlier in this interview with you, I mentioned that I could see gold easily pushing up another 10%. Now that's, that's not a huge move uh, in the context of gold being up, you know, 30 this year. But I do think if we move cons convincingly above $2,000 an ounce, gold equities could have an explosive move higher in that scenario. It's, it's, um, it's a psychological number for sure. And also, I think if you look at gold equities, they're only up 50% this, this year, this year to date, and gold's up 30. That is a very odd uh, beta to the gold price, uh, very low. Over my career, the beta to the gold price in mining equities is typically two to three times the move in the gold price. You got to remember these businesses have operating leverage and sometimes financial leverage uh, to the gold price. So if gold equities were to see multiples expand and, and valuations rise in line with the prior periods, that would equate to another 40% move up in the equities. And that doesn't require the gold price to change. That's if gold stays right where it is today. That would be a, a, a normal type of, of price performance that we would see. It's a phenomenal price performance, but but keep in mind that that's that's normal and we you can see that over many many cycles worth of data so i guess the question becomes you know why aren't, aren't gold equities up that much um you know i think investors seem reluctant to move into the space you know perhaps they're worried that they've missed the rally because it's happened quite quickly um but i could see that changing in the near future right this sector is going to be the only sector in the world showing positive re revenues positive cash flow growth and earnings momentum going into h2 well, every other sector uh, does the opposite as they struggle with the COVID-19. So, you know, that's got the potential to, to start seeing gold equities move higher on, on screens, um, you know, screening lists that generalist investors would lose, use to, uh, you know, to select, make kind of short lists of, of portfolio names and security selection. And, and I think the fund flows from generalist investors and large pools of capital are, are only just beginning to allocate to the sector. So I believe for the equities, there's a lot more yet to come. Okay, that's great. John, thank you for that. That was very insightful. And I think you've demonstrated that there's plenty of opportunities left in the sector and, and more specifically in the fund. And so we appreciate your bottom-up perspective. For the listeners, if you want to know more about the Century Precious Metals Fund or other Century Funds, check out ci.com and join us next week for another update on Century Funds. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed.
Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns net of fees and expenses payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.